Pastor Trey will be back up here speaking to us next week, and he has a, a little mini sermon or a mini series to start out with, and it's something that's very important. So I hope everyone will be here for that to hear uh, what he has to say. We're through with our uh, series on about Abraham and his life, because really, Abraham is so yesterday, isn't he? <clears throat> Not really, though, is he? So today we're going to have a one-off between two series, and it's going to be, we're going to talk about gardens this morning. Everybody loves a garden, don't they? Especially a, uh, a flower garden that's beautifully maintained, lots of flowers, maybe some trees and shrubs and grass and maybe a water feature or something, and they're beautiful. And some people have vegetable gardens. And there's a few out there who like rock gardens. I don't know why, but you can't kill them. I used to work in southeast Portland, about uh, two blocks from the Portland Rhododendron Gardens. And in the spring, it was magnificent. Uh, the roadies there are beautiful, and they're, they're old, and so they're just huge. And they've got other um, plants and uh, trees and everything in there. And then there's a lake down at the bottom. And sometimes I would uh, take my lunch. I worked, uh, our office was two blocks from there. So I used to take my lunch and go down there and have my lunch with the ducks. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Very, very beautiful. And I find it very interesting that three of the most significant events in Scripture all occurred in a garden. God created the first one. He had created the earth, and he had fashioned it the way he wanted it. He created the mankind, male and female. And then he created this beautiful garden. And we don't know how big it was, whether it was a hundred acre wood or whether it was a thousand acres or whatever, but it was undoubtedly a very beautiful thing. God evidently likes gardens. And he spent time with his new creation called Adam, and God had what he wanted. He wanted a face-to-face relationship with his creation. There was a relationship there where there was no rituals, no posturing, just good sharing of life. God instructed them on following and trusting him for their good and their blessing. And he told them not to pursue their own understanding, but to follow the way that leads to life. And by the way, I don't think you know this, but um, Adam used to love to run. Uh, he used to get outside the garden, and he'd run across the savanna. He used to run with uh, the animals as fast as he could, and in so being, he became the world's first streaker. <laughs> Thought I'd throw that in at no extra charge. <clears throat> but everything was perfect. Everything was good. God and mankind talking, enjoying each other, teaching, learning, 
End of story, right? No, not the end of the story. Because the miserable, oh, miserable chapter 3 of Genesis comes along, and, and there becomes a, uh, somebody else comes into the picture than the, the serpent. Now, I don't know if we have this scripture for Genesis 3 or not on this, on the, up there. But if we do or well, we don't, I'm going to explain how it really went down. Eve, hi. How you doing? Beautiful day, isn't it? Yes, it's a beautiful day. I notice that you've been spending quite a bit of time looking at this one particular tree. It's very pretty, isn't it? Yeah, it's very pretty. And look at that fruit. Man, that looks good. Delicious. You know, Eve, I know it's delicious because I had some the other day. And I think I'm better for it. I think I'm smarter, wiser. It was really, really good. And uh, it leads me to a question, Eve, to be honest with me. Has God really, did God really tell you that you're not supposed to eat the fruit of this tree? Yes, he did. He told me not to eat of it not even to touch it, because when I did, I'm going to die. Eve, 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 Eve. You're not going to die. It's going to be just the opposite. Your eyes are going to be opened, and you're going to see things that you couldn't see before. You're going to see things that only God can see, and he doesn't want that. He doesn't want you having all these good He's keeping things from you. And he doesn't want that. After all, can you really trust him? After all, all you've got is his word for it. So Eve succumbed. She looked at the tree and she thought, yeah, he's right. It's beautiful. After all, he took it. He's doing fine. I'll try it too. Well, Eve succumbed to the three things that the Apostle John warned about many, many years ago. She saw that the fruit was good for food, lust to the flesh, it was a del- delight to the eyes, lust to the eyes, and the tree was desired to make one wise. Pride of life. Her eyes were opened, but she didn't become like God. She saw her own nakedness. Nakedness in the Bible is a metaphor for not having the garments of salvation or a lack of spirituality. We remember the letter that was uh, sent to the church at Laodicea in uh, Revelation chapter 3. You say, I'm rich. I have everything I need. I don't need a thing. Everything is going along great. But you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. Jesus was naked on the cross because he had, for our sakes, lost the garments of salvation. He died a sinner's death. So Adam and Eve got together, and they made loincloths for themselves out of the fig leaves. Fig leaves are fairly good size, so you wouldn't have to use too many of them to make yourself loincloths, which is what they did, which leads me to believe that Eve uh, didn't have a two-piece, she only had a one-piece, 
since it was a loincloth, but uh, who's going to notice? The Jews to this day believe that the tree uh, was actually a fig tree because they used the, uh, the fig leaves to make uh, garments for themselves. And even throughout the Old Testament and some of the prophecies, you'll see Israel referred to as a fig tree. And of course, that in the New Testament, Jesus curses a fig tree because of a lack of productivity, a lack of fruit. They weren't generating the fruit that they needed to. So there's something else that's happening here, I think. We're seeing the first vestiges of religion. They got together and they said, let's cover our nakedness so we can approach God and be accepted by him. In other words, let's do something. We've got to do something here in order to be accepted by God. They were trying to hide their nakedness with good works. They had the garments of men, but they didn't have the garments of salvation. Fallen man will always try to justify his actions by sewing fig leaves together. What can we do to appease God? And here's the question of the ages for a lot of people. How many fig leaves do we have to sew together to be accepted by God? How much is enough? How much until God finally says, okay, you're good. You can come in. How much is enough? You know, it's, it's a shame, a tragedy, really, that so many people go to their deathbed or go to their grave not knowing if they've done enough for God. That's a shame. But we know that we do good works not to be accepted by him, but because we have already been accepted by him. So now God enters the garden, calls out to Adam. Adam, where are you? I know, <laughs> I know you're in there. Why does he call to Adam? Eve was deceived. Eve sinned first. Why did he call out to Adam? Well, Adam was created first. But Adam was supposed to provide the physical and the spiritual covering for his wife. And he didn't do that. He was to provide leadership in the home, the spiritual leadership in the home. He didn't do that. He failed. Instead of saying, hold on there, wifey, this is not a good idea, he stood there and he watched her take the fruit So again, God calls out to Adam. Adam, where are you? Go away. I'm in hiding because I'm naked. Well, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat the fruit of that tree that I told you not to eat? Did you taste what you were not meant to taste? Eve, what do you have to say for yourself? Well, This creature that you created deceived me. He told me all these great things would happen if I took this fruit. And obviously that didn't work out because look at me. I'm seeing things that I didn't see before. Adam, how about you? It's her. She gave it to me and I ate. After all, what was I supposed to do? I have to keep peace in the home? 
You know, I didn't want to go home and have a big argument, and I didn't want it to go to waste. Surely you've heard of the, the green agenda. You know, I didn't want to waste anything. Oh, not good, Adam. Not good at all. So Adam and Eve both received curses from God. Eve first, because she allowed herself to be deceived and sinned first. In other words, the woman got the bad news first. This whole story kind of reminds me of John Milton's epic poem called uh, Paradise Lost. You may have read it. Well, after he wrote the poem, he got divorced. And then he wrote a new poem called Paradise Regained. (laughs) I, I know you haven't read that one. So in this garden, man's story began. We gained fellowship with God, and we lost it in the same garden. Instead of enjoying God's fellowship face to face, they were now estranged from him. They were cast out of his presence. And as far as we know, the garden lay deserted for over a thousand years until the flood came to eventually destroy it. I find it interesting that the Apostle John, in his gospel, highlights some of the spiritual significance of the events of Genesis. To show you what I mean. Genesis is the story of the physical creation. In John, we have the story of a new creation. Genesis finds God walking on the earth. In John, we see Jesus as God walking on the earth. In Genesis, earth is born from water. In John, we are born of water and of spirit. In Genesis, there is a separation of the light from the dark, light from darkness. And Jesus' life separates life, light from darkness. In Genesis, there is a small light and a great light. And in John, John the Baptist is the small light. Jesus is the great light. 